This is this is straight out of the Benwood subscription copy book. This, <laughs> this is front page, first article. Here's this is the title would have been Here's How You Win Your Draft This Weekend. <laughs> part two of the Ocho Bowl post-draft review session. I'm Steve Mann, the host alongside my co-host, Andrew O'Halloran. Welcome, Andrew. Thanks for having me, Manny. Always good to and be here. Always good to have you. And Chris Keane. Hello, boys. Great to be back. <laughs> You're looking particularly slick with the hair back, which is yeah. uh, particularly I'm... interesting given we recorded the last one about 10 minutes ago. Yeah, I'm feeling <laughs> fresh. I've <laughs> gone out of shower in between, have you? Yeah, just put a, you know, you got to look good, feel good. Put a bit of, uh, <laughs> a bit of wax on it. Beautiful. I'm not either of those at the moment. How, how do we think we went with part one? You know, just to just to give a bit of a retrospective look back on our own performance, which is what we're all about here. I think it was yeah. a roaring success. Yeah, it was pretty solid, I thought. As you, as you touched on from memory, um, you didn't think any of those six teams would feature in the bottom kind of half of the draw. So it's a, it was a pretty strong half of the league, I think. I thought we, we started a bit flat with Dale, to be honest, um, which might have just been his team. Just there was nothing particularly interesting or exciting about it. But um, it was it was good that we got straight into Woodsy just to pick yeah. up a bit of the energy with the, the shenanigans that is the meat and potatoes, man. But um, I, I agree. <laughs> I think if all the, if all the sort of, you know, Solid teams are in the first bit. It means we're going to have some absolute shockers in this round. So looking forward to getting stuck into it. Absolutely. And, and, and as always, we're looking forward with bated breath to Andrew's patented bi-week analysis, which is <laughs> somehow we've recorded the last session 20 minutes ago. It's already gone viral. We've got mailbag filling up with people writing in, wondering how he does the analytics behind it. So we might look forward to hearing a bit about that later on, Andrew. But let's get stuck in. Kenny, do you want to kick us off with our first team? Well, before I do, I, there's a whisper going around that there's just been a trade that's either gone through or hasn't gone through. Andrew, have you got any details for us? Uh, well, so uh, Jared, being weak at running back, he's tried to get uh, Tom Gurley from me with Tom a tra- Jeez. With offer of Kerryon Johnson and Stefan Diggs which was just played away with a fat bat, uh, flat bat by myself. Well, a fat and flat bat. That's how much I played it away. Um, I, I offered back Gurley and Paris Campbell for Godwin and then just got some of my own treatments straight back. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Is your third running back? Don't know. Don't mind it. What was the first offer? Um, Stefan Diggs and Kerryon Johnson for Gurley. Yeah. I I'd, mean, have, I'd have very closely considered that. Looking at no, your team. Like he's terrible, your third back. Yeah. You could probably do better. Yeah. They're both players that I could have got that I wasn't that interested in. So um, And then and then on the counter you just completely lowballed him. <laughs> which is good to see. 
I think we need a segment at some stage, uh, however long this podcast survives, but just the lowball name and shame. Because <laughs> uh, I think that there's a couple of just serial culprits in the league. Um, if you are looking to get some trades going, particularly with running backs, Andrew, I've heard a whisper that Woodsy's looking to offload Boston Scott. Oh. <laughs> I will, if Boston Scott ends up on my roster this year, I will personally donate $50 to a charity of Woodsy's choice. Boston Woods. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, uh, looking forward to... We've, we've got a bit of a glimpse of half your roster, Andrew, as we've talked about your trade <laughs> offers, but we'll get to you later on. Um, Keeney, do you want to introduce our first team? Because I think this is probably the most anticipated one that we've got across the Ocho. Well, I know you said we started off a bit flat with Dale last <laughs> podcast, but let's start off even flatter with Fizzy Squad. <laughs> start off... We know what he's all about. Averages four wins a year. The great man, Fitzy. He's back. He's paid his 50 bucks. He's in. He can't keep away, the great man. But what he has done this year is he's been very, very aggressive and bold. Trading up to pick six, I think it was. So he owns five and six in the draft. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the highest kind of double capital anyone's ever owned um, in a startup kind of scenario. That's, uh, that's some serious... Serious top-end uh, draft capital there. Um, and then I think he's he's pulled off a few trades, actually. He's ended up coming back into pick 25. But we'll go through his team um, now. So with pick five and six, he went the running back wide receiver combo of Derek Henry and Michael Thomas. Um, quickly, our thoughts on those two at five and six. Is there anything you guys would have done differently at five and six? I mean, I, I think, think Thomas is the obviously the wide receiver. I don't think there's anyone – you can't really complain too much about Thomas there. Henry, I'm not the biggest fan of in PPR. Like, I think he'll be good. Like, I don't – barring injury, he's not going to be a bad player. But um, I just don't think they're going to try – not trust it. They, I don't think they're going to lean on him as much when they've got to keep him healthy for the whole year, when his big numbers were because – they're making a playoff push and then in the playoffs where obviously it's elimination. So, um, I mean, he's a good player, but um, I mean, I could definitely, I would, there's a couple of players I would have taken over him. Such as? Uh, probably Cook, uh, Edward Um Maybe Clyde. maybe even Mixon as well. I, I really like Mixon this year as well. He's Clyde Edward yeah, I probably would have taken Thomas over Henry. But in terms of just running backs, I would have taken those three over him, I think. Mm. I, th- I think Mixon's going to be a headache for whoever ends in this year. Um, oh. I, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting yeah, late. I, I, look, I, it's, I, we, we, can, we can nitpick around. I think we all agree. If you're going wide receiver running back, you were taking Thomas. Um Henry is as good as the other ones. He was, you know, Kamara drops to five. He probably takes Kamara. I, I think he's done well with the first two picks. You know, we'll find out over the course of the year. I probably would have taken Cook maybe over Henry as well, but I think he's done pretty well. He's pretty strong there. He had to be because you can't give up what he gave up with the rest of your draft and not get two absolute bell cows. Well, that's right. And we and we mentioned how it was a league first, really, to have pick five and six. It's also a league first to have pick 25 and him no longer be on your team two days later. 
um, <laughs> which is what happened with, with poor old Betsy again with Leonard Fournette at pick 25. He's really drawn the short straw there. He's already off the, the Jags. We still wait with bated breath to see uh, where he ends up landing, but not ideal for Fitzy, who, as we mentioned at the top, traded up um, to get back into 25 after giving a fair bit away. Um, and just uh, that's uh, pretty fortunate. But, uh, I mean, the saving grace for Fitzy, I think, is that he will still, wherever Fournette goes, he's going to have a role in some capacity. He's not going to go to a team and just be the number two or number three behind it in a, in a committee. Well, we hope not anyway. So... Um, I still think he's going to have some value. I think the most value he would have had was at Jacksonville, though. So um, not ideal for him. He then takes most at 67, which I think is a pretty solid pick. So three um, solid running backs and Michael Thomas to start off his draft, which is pretty solid. Um, from his fifth pick onwards for mine, it gets a little bit hairy. And it just it kind of goes all over the shop to be to be truthful i mean if you look at the average age of his squad from his fifth pick down it's it's a pretty average kind of age but that's because he went really old guys or rookies there was nothing in between there's Keyshawn vaughn the rookie jerry judy um pitman then you pair him with gronk peterson rogers sanders it's just it's one or the other <laughs> pick someone that's been in the league either less than 12 years or more than one fitzy <laughs> I, I it. It, it, it looks to me like he's taking Keyshawn vaughn uh jerry judy and Pittman to fill a quota just a bit of diversity in his team want to be yeah and, oh yes and mcfarlane just just so that he he didn't appear to be ageist but he's then just just complimented them with some of the oldest people you could possibly find in the NFL. I reckon he would be spewing he didn't get Brady because he would have been thinking, oh, I can pop my average age up to 43 here if I, if I just managed to nab him. I must admit, it's been an absolute pleasure watching the Leonard Fournette news unfold over the last day because partially it's just funny seeing other people's teams fall apart, but partially it's so funny that it's happened to Fitzy because of everything that's been made of Fitzy's history in this league and then the significant trade moves he made and then for it to fall flat like that. But I will say, number one, completely unlucky, not his fault. Number two, if it's going to happen, while being off the the roster is a hilarious storyline for us, it's about as good a thing as can happen because if he he did a season injury, done, he's absolutely no value to you. He's reasonable value for you. Who knows how it plays out. And the fact that he had those two high picks and, you know, Fournette wasn't even his RB1 probably insulates him a little bit from that. I reckon there's a fair chance of a few calf strains in that team, though, over the course of the year. A few, you know, maybe hernias, a few tired backs, maybe a stroke or two. Well, with Cooks, I think three concussions per year is his average. So I think he'll be... One will be some time on his IR spot as well. Yeah, I... I'll get to his wide receivers in a second. Um, but just quickly, can we imagine if Fournette went to Tennessee and just kind of sat behind Derek Henry? <laughs> <laughs> like, can, we, can you see it happening? Is he just like a one-two punch in Tennessee? Oh. <laughs> oh, he's got nothing out of him. Um, I, I'll move I, on. The other one, you, I think you mentioned this before, but Washington's a very real possibility. And yeah. I think they're first up on the wire. He's drafted AP. That would be that'd be devastating for him because he's got 
he's got two bald guys and only one roster spot to to figure out which one to put into. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, we we I think the whole league's really excited to see where Leonard Fournette lands. It's either going to be happy days or. or so I just brought up the odds. So uh, Bears, then Pats, then Bucks, then Washington, then the oh. Texans. Are the that's the order of favoritism. Bears, Pats, Bucks, Bucks then Washington. And they're all, the this is American odds, so they're not as good to see. They're all under $4, and then Texans are up at 9 So, and then it's sort of a bit, up, bit more from there. The, the Bucks would be an interesting one. Um, we'll obviously get to Cam's team later with Ronald Jones, but um, I think he's been a very popular preseason pick for the reason that people think that's going to be a strong offense. Um, Fournette going there just completely swipes him out of the water. So... Yeah, there'll be, as Keeney says, there'll be a few nervous owners over the next 24 hours. Absolutely. Um, we'll keep going through Fitzy's team. Um, and just to just to probably single out his wide receivers. Now, I'm most concerned with this area of his team at the minute. So, obviously, funny thing to say when you draft Michael Thomas at pick six. Um, but after Michael Thomas... Brandon Cooks, we've touched on. I think if he has one more concussion, there's this real possibility he will be out of the league. Like, he has had four to five, and um, I think the Rams just moved him because they didn't want him to get concussed and worth nothing, so they just took what they could get um, for him. I think that's a real problem. Sanders, I touched on last episode, where I like him as a, as a fit for New Orleans, but fantasy-wise, not so much. Jerry Judy could could... Could do well as his first year, but rookie wide receivers are always hard. And same with Michael Pittman. So there is receivers. Um, so for mine, lacks a little bit of depth in that area. Sanders-Thomas together means he's obviously got some upside if, uh, if, if New Orleans absolutely go off. But you'd think the better Sanders does, he's probably eating a little bit into Michael Thomas. So that, that, that would be an interesting one for him yeah, as well. I, I think if like yeah, I think if Thomas goes down, like you you never really want to handcuff a wide receiver. But even if if Thomas goes down, I think it's Traquan Smith that gets the bump over Emmanuel Sanders anyway. I just yeah, I think uh, that's kind of likely. It's gonna be hard to start Sanders and Thomas in the same lineup. I would have thought um, as well, which is always hard. Um, what he has done well is he's only taken one tight end and only taken one QB, which is good to see. Um, Gronk, one, pick 102. What are our thoughts there? Not a fan of Gronk at all. He's, as Manny was saying, he's one of those players that you put him in your lineup and he does nothing and then you take him out and he'll put up three touchdowns. Just, I don't want a piece of Gronk at all. Like, you probably are hoping he does, has a couple of good games and pulls a hammy and then you can drop him and get someone who's a bit more consistent, I think. Yeah, I, I look. I, I took a tight end just before that, so I kind of knew what was around. And the reason I took a tight end just before it was because there was a guy I wanted, and I didn't want what was behind him, and that was Gronk. So no, I, I wouldn't have gone anywhere near that one. Um, and like we talked a bit in the last episode about some of the late guys, you know, Gesicki, Doyle, the guys picked up in the last couple of rounds. Gronk's just a lottery pick for mine, so very early to take a lottery pick. Jonu Smith, 
TJ Hawkinson, all these kind of guys I, I prefer over Gronk. When you can take like a, a Madison, um, a Preston Williams, if you're worried about your receiving core, um, these kind of guys, I think there's some more value there that you could have got. But um, Aaron Rodgers is a QB. What are our thoughts on Aaron Rodgers? I'm, I'm um, obviously as a star, as a QB in real life. I'm not a massive fantasy fan of Aaron Rodgers. but um, And I just think what they did this year in the actual draft was bizarre. They clearly needed some wide receivers. They went out and traded up for a QB and then got a running back in the second round. So they didn't exactly help him on in uh, from a receiver point of view. No. I, look, if you look at the guys that went around then, Breeze went just before. I think you'd rather Breeze over Rodgers. Um, Stafford went a little after. I'd probably rather Stafford over Rodgers. But look, I guess... As you say, he, he's probably not done a bad job because he's taken a guy who, you know, we know can be very good. But equally, he's not probably someone you're wedded to. So you can probably drop him in. It's a pretty deep position quarterback. There's probably a guy on the waivers. I think if you look at the last few years, Andrew, you talked on the first podcast about picking up Mahomes off the waivers after week one, uh, the year that he went absolutely berserk. I got Deshaun Watson off the waivers the first year he had his breakout before he did his knee. There's always one or two, you know, I know Lamar Jackson got drafted late last year, but he could have easily been got through the draft without drafted. But yeah. As long as he's prepared to let him go, which I think if there's one thing we know about Fitzy, he will not let him go. So that's probably <laughs> the downside to my point. Andrew, did you win that league where you picked up um, Mahomes off flavors? Uh, look, I mean, it was close. I was, you know, a gentleman's third or fourth, depending on what happened in that. To have playoff game. And I was going to discuss with you guys, just with Fitzy, um, I was thinking the other day if, if he um, was an avid listener of the podcast, and, and clearly he is because it took him till his 10th pick to take a, take a Green Bay Packer. Now, we mentioned in our last pod that he was obsessed with taking Packers in the second, first, third, fourth, fifth round, you name it. He was taking them. Jimmy Graham in the third round at the Packers. I'll have a piece of that. Not this year. He's waited a long time to take his first packer, which is really good to see. The other point was, geez, I have, have an influence over this league. His average kicker position was the 12th round, and here he is taking <laughs> the leg in the 15th. Wow. Thank you, Fitzy, for listening. I appreciate it. Happy on board. The, one thing I will say, he couldn't help himself. He couldn't wait till the last two rounds to take his kicker in his defense, though, could he? Just uh, slipped in with the Pats D in the 13th. Just, just, just the trigger finger got too much for him. <laughs> what, what do you reckon of his, the rookies he's taken? We talked about the fact that they're probably in there just for tokenism, but Jerry Judy, Keyshawn Vaughn, we, we, I think you'll find that the teams we talked about in the first pod um, of this series had most of the rookies, the big high-profile ones. Um, <clears throat> what do you reckon about those two? Because he's taken them... Um, relatively early in the scheme of things like you know judy at 101 put that in context that was at 135 that dale got justin jefferson um mm. i'm not too sure 113 i think keeney you took jalen rager who i noticed who is now on the waivers so uh, cd lamb went at 99 to can so uh and then rugs went 114 so those three the three that were the best receivers in the class have sort of all gone within 15 picks of each other 
Um, I mean, I'm a big Judy fan, obviously. Oh, he was my number one receiver coming into the draft. And then now that Denver have got him, I'm in love with him. But, um, I mean, I, always, I find him very Antonio Brown-like in that he's just an amazing route runner. And you look at even as good as Brown was, his rookie year, he didn't do much, played nine games, only had 20 catches. Um, so, I mean, I think next year he's going to be a superstar, but... And he's also dependent on uh, Drew Locke as well. Like, if you think Locke's going to take a big leap, then Judy could be a bargain there. But, um, I mean, I think it's probably a year or two away from him being, like, a top-tier fantasy wide receiver. Can we also just take a second to appreciate that um, Manny, Havers, Cam, Reese? I'm getting to a point here in a second. All had seven picks before Fitzy had his fifth. <laughs> Great yeah, stuff. I had six picks before Fitzy had his fourth. <laughs> and, and, and not just, I had six yeah. picks, 24 picks before Fitzy had his fourth pick. Yeah. Because I was, I was looking at his team thinking, geez, he's taken Keyshawn Vaughn early, like his sixth selection. <laughs> I looked in the, oh no, it's pick 81. So, <laughs> it's quite misleading. It's going to be off-putting in a couple of years when we look back at the old drafts and because it just goes by round. So you're looking at him like, and Joel really took some leaps in some of these uh, rounds. I think we need to keep this spreadsheet that shows where everyone went for the future. But um, look, I, I think you can't really cut him slack for that because he's made those trades. You know, we've covered how strong his top end is. He's been unlucky with Fournette. You know, at the end of the day, his second guy is a lot better than anyone else's second guy, but his fifth guy is a lot worse than everyone else's fifth guy. So it's really just going to be how it levels out over time. Considering where the picks was, he's done a reasonable job. Um, there's, you know, the upside I'd say to this team is I don't look there and go, there's too many names that are completely irrelevant for fantasy purposes. So how it comes together as a lineup, who knows? But I think if everything clicked for him, I think his team could be very good, even with the Fournet situation. And that may work out to be okay for him as well. I suppose Having a look at his buys as well, he, he doesn't have any major buy issues. So every week you'll be getting a full-strength Fitzy coming at you. Well, the big question is, can he get to five and seven? That, that's the question on everyone's lips. Is can he get break through the four win barrier? <laughs> well, the average is four point four, so there's a chance he gets a tie. Just to, <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, just I'm still good. sticking with my pre-draft prediction that Fitzy makes the playoffs. It's 2020, it anything can happen. You, st- you, you, you still believe that, having seen the the team and the Leonard Fournette situation, you still think he's a playoff? I mean, six teams make it, so it's not. I don't think it's ridiculous, but just questioning. Yeah. I believe in you, Fitzy, if you're listening. Don't, don't let me down. Can I just add one final comment on Fitzy's team? And this has nothing to do with Fitzy. But, you know, we've laughed a bit about this team. One of the things that makes me laugh is the way you've written it on the draft board, Andrew, is like not only is every name, you know, they're all different positions, different ages, whatever. You've written them in different fonts and one, like Gronk's in all capitals. Greg's airline is written as G the leg. It just like aesthetically, it makes me want to laugh just looking at it as a column, let alone the actual players that are on there. 
So yeah. he, he's probably copying it a bit for that too. And look, to um, just to round this all up, I think to to go with your point, Andrew, of, of Fitzy making the playoffs, um, I think there's a world where that can happen. If, if Henry and Thomas go off again, which we know they're capable of doing, Fournette gets to a good landing spot and he's okay. Um, I think most it can have a massive role this year. And if Cooks can stay healthy, I like him in that Houston offense. So um, those first five picks, I think, can get him there to that six, seven win mark and, and get him in the playoffs. Yeah, I'll tell you what, if, um, if if that does play out and Gronk is a serviceable tight end, we know Rodgers can have upside as a QB. Sanders, Judy, Pittman, and you know even Peterson, dare I say it, have reasonably upside as your bench guys. When you've only got to bring one of them in a week to cover for a buy because these buys are pretty spread out. It's not a not a bad little situation he finds himself in. Go Fitzy. All right. Andrew, do you want to introduce our next team? Uh, yeah. So we've got the def- Cam, the defending champion coming up. So mm-hmm. he had pick three. And as I flagged on the pre-draft podcast, he could not say no to Zeke Elliott there, um, despite the allure of, Alvin Kamara or Michael Thomas. Um, he's then gone... So he traded up to pick 10 for his second pick. And he's gone Hopkins. So I'll just ask you boys here, what, what were your thoughts on that pick? Because I had him as probably the fourth or fifth wide receiver, um, probably end of the second round, and he's taken him at the end of the first. I don't like Hopkins, full stop. <laughs> um, he just... I, I think I said this last time. He, I've auto-drafted him every time I've done an auto-draft. And I keep getting stuck with him. And he's just... He's a very good player. But I just... just maybe it's because I've always got him in terrible teams. But I, it just... To me, he's nowhere near the level of a, a Michael Thomas or a Tyree Kill. I wouldn't take him at 10. But equally, I guess he, he probably, with Zeke, wanted to go a wide receiver. You know, he's definitely in that group, that cluster. So... Um, it does, it's not outrageous, but it's not the pick I would have taken. Yeah, I agree. I, it's um, not outrageous. I've got my uh, my tears here that I had on the night, on draft night. Um, so I'd pick, I'd pick 11. I had the pick after him. Um, I had Thomas as number one, Tyreek Hill number two, Devontae Adams three, Jones four, and Hopkins five. So that was kind of... I think they're a clear top five receiver group or tier if you like at the moment um i had him at the back end of it but yeah it's fine if you like him sure go get him it's and a big call putting him second when he's changed teams as well there's just that other added layer of unknown so who knows he might he might prove us all wrong and go absolutely nuts but you know, i think we're all on the same page on that one um and then so from there he had a bit of a break he didn't have another pick to pick 46 where he's taken uh, scary Terry um, McLaurin. Uh, he's then uh, round out his running backs with Ingram uh, and then filled out his roster pretty by pick six. He's gone Waller, uh, Watson, uh, pick 70, and then Ronald Jones uh, with pick 75. Um, and then on his bench, he's picked up Samuel, C.D. Lamb, he loves his Cowboys, uh, Nicole Hardman, Noah Fant, the Ravens D, uh, A.J. Dillon, to Keeney's disgust, he's picked up a kicker in the 14th. Well, if you're going to um, do it. <laughs> Keeney's coming around. Keeney will take a kicker in the 13th. Only if they play for New Orleans, apparently. <laughs> and then he's taken fits in the last round, old reliable. Um, 
And so having a look at his team, um, he's got three sort of solid running backs. Like if um, Fournette doesn't go to Tampa Bay, Jones should not be great, but he's, he's not going to be bad. I don't think he's going to get a decent amount of work. Ingram's the same. Like he's going to get work. Even if um, uh, Dobbins takes a bit of his role, he's still going to be a, a liable starter. And then he's got elite upside with Elliott. Um, but then sort of there's no real depth behind that at running back, which um, could be a bit of a struggle with. Like Dylan, the only one outside those three that he's picked up, which who knows what's happening there. He might not get major uh, carries till next year if they get rid of Jones next year. Uh, how about you boys? What did you think of Cam's team? I I have a strange reaction when I look at Cam's team, if I'm honest, because Zeke, Zeke's the lay-down was there at pick three. We've talked a bit about Hopkins. I think the first half of his draft, I can kind of find fault with every pick that he's made. Not that they're bad players, but just strategically. Um, Darren Waller, I don't think you need to take a tight end there. You sort of, you've picked a guy who's, quite a bit behind the top couple, but not that far ahead of the next group, but you've taken him 30 picks in the middle, if you know what I mean. So that sort of pick, a bit odd to me. Ingram, Ingram's a good player, but at 51, when you've got um, Dobbins coming through, I I don't know, probably not the guy I would have taken at that point. McLaurin at 46, again, reasonable pick, but, you know, Juju had gone at 42. Uh, Cooper went at 52. Uh, there's, There's other options around that point. So maybe you don't need to, you know, go there. You can maybe take a different player. But having said that, I look at the team and I'm like, yeah, but he's got good guys right throughout. And then I look at the second half of his draft and I love it. Like, I think Ronald Jones is a great take. Debo Samuel, I really wanted and was shattered to miss out on. C.D. Lamb, I would have loved to get. Miko Hardman, I think, is he's as close to a handcuff for Tyree Kill as you can get at the wide receiver position because he's that exact player. Really quick, you know, the downfield threat and he plays in the offense that we all want a piece of. If you're taking a second tight end, no offense, easily a, you know, startable tight end on his own. Dylan's a pretty good option. I mean, Larry Fitz is pointless, but, you know, whatever, he's taking a kicker at a defense. So I really like his second half of the draft. So look, I think overall he's drafted a strong team. My, my fault would be a few of those early ones. He probably could have done more with the picks. But then when I look at his ultimate starting lineup, I still think it looks pretty good and his depth is... It's very strong in my opinion. Yeah, I I tend to agree with a fair bit of what you said, actually. I was looking at it myself going, yeah, I like your late picks. Um, Hardman, CD, um, those kind of guys which you just touched on. Um, even AJ Dillon. Like, I, I think they're going to use AJ Dillon at some point, whether it's in the goal line or um, get him some work. I think they're going to get... There's a chance they get rid of Aaron Jones. He's out of contract. Um, and I think they'll just start using this kid. Um yeah, I, I agree. Mate. I'm going to disagree with Terry McLaurin. I, I'm a huge fan of Terry McLaurin. I think he's going to be a star. I think Washington's pass attack will take a bump forward. Um, I think he's clearly the number one guy. Um, and I like all things Terry McLaurin this year. That's just a personal preference. Um, Darren Waller, though, I couldn't agree more with you. Like when you've got guys like Devontae Parker, Hollywood Brown, Tyler Boyd, Cam Akers, these kind of guys... Um, going around that pick, I, I agree. Especially when you get Noah Fan, which is a which is a fine tight end um, in that eleventh, twelfth round. That's fine. Don't need to have two of them. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. And he's got Deshaun Watson as well. So 
agree completely with what you're saying. When you look at his team on paper and how it's going to line up each week, it's going to be strong. Um, and, you know, he just needs a bit of his depth to hit, but I think we all kind of like what his bench looks like as well. So, yeah, pretty good team, I reckon. Pretty strong. He does also lose points, though, as he said that he doesn't listen to podcasts. So I don't believe you listen to our draft preview podcast. So, um, yeah, if you want to get, have a go at him, feel free to. He's not going to listen. Well, you can tell because he took the defense in round 12. And... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, on Terry McLaurin, I agree. Like, if he was, I had picked the pick before and the pick after. So I had Lockett just ahead of him. And then if he'd been there at 47, I was taking him at 47. So I think he's, yeah, going to have a, we had a great year last year. I think he's going to have an even better year this year. I think, yeah, I, and I agree. I think McLaurin's got some upside. We, we obviously, he's all, you know, he's only ever going to be a poor man, Stephen Sims, but that's fine. <laughs> he's, he's still a reasonable pick and he's not someone you would mind having on your lineup. Um, it, look, I guess t- in the spirit of what we talked about earlier with the Leonard Fournette landing somewhere, the risk of things not going your way at running back, uh, to play out his worst case scenario, Let's say Fournette goes to Tampa Bay. So Jones suddenly becomes a bit irrelevant. Um, Ingram loses the starting job or plays a kind of number two-ish role behind Dobbins. And Zeke goes down with an injury. He's stuffed. Yeah, AJ Dillon's not even a starter. He's literally... Thanks for coming, Cam. We'll see you next year. Like I think I don't think there's any other teams that have such a clear path to being you know, completely ruined at a position because he's basically one injury and a little bit of bad luck with starting positions away from that happening. So that's probably the one that jumps out at me. Um, I mean, Elliot's, you know, he's pretty robust. He's not a guy that's really had much injury trouble over his career, but obviously, you know, he eats plenty, feeds himself, fuels himself. So he's he's pretty healthy, but it's always a chance. Yeah, it's a a really good point you make actually because when you look at it, it's, as you said, his team as a whole has a pretty low floor, I think. Um, so there's, there is a world where that floor is really low. And um, if a few things go his way, uh, go against him, um, he could be in big trouble. But then on the flip side, if it all, if it, you know, Ronald Jones is the man and, and Dobbins doesn't get going early and, and Ingram's getting all the carries in the Baltimore rush attack, then all of a sudden, you know, could be one of the top teams of the league. So, yep, I can see it going both ways. I think there was a few guys across the draft that were highly desired. We talked a bit about Clyde Woods-Hilaire in the last podcast and how many people wanted to take that guy. We also talked about Alexander Madison. I think another one that fell into that category um, was Debo Samuel. I know from talking to a few people, and I, I was in this boat too, I don't think anyone quite expected him to go as early as 94, but I think a lot of us remember what he did the back half of last year and had read the injury reports that he was starting to run again and, and kind of start to look better. And I think he was, yeah, he was one that a lot of people were going to have a go at him had he lasted a couple more rounds. So I think, you know, again, when you get those guys, if you have to take him early to get them, they're still probably good gets. That's fair. I wasn't that big on him this year. Guys coming in with injuries where they miss the first couple of weeks, I try and avoid if I can, unless like they've got league winning upside where I think he's a good player, but I don't think he's going to be a wide receiver, like 
based on averages from when he does play. I don't think he's going to be a top 10 wide receiver this year. So um, if I'm having a player who's going to miss a couple of weeks, I want him to be like someone who I know can win me the league, I think. Mm. I think at that point, for me at that point in the draft, a guy that I know I can start, particularly a number one wide receiver in a Super Bowl team from last year, I just feel like that on its own is enough upside and he's a young guy's any you know, potentially going to get better. And if it doesn't pan out, I've wasted a 10th round pick on him or a ninth round pick on him or something. And so just on his buys, uh, week eight, he's got Watson, Hopkins, McLaurin, Ingram and Fan all missing. Um, the lucky opponent will be myself. Oh, that's who. <laughs> do you set the, do you set the, the wow. roster for the I randomize it. There's like a randomized uh, schedule button. So I do that. How many, how many times do you press randomize till you get the combination that you want? I press it once. <laughs> there's a, I'm on a band is my sacred duty as a commissioner to be upstanding. I don't know. There's a, something sus going on here. <laughs> um, does one final question for me, does Larry Fitzgerald still sit on his roster when we get to week one? No, I think we once once we get to roster cuts and things like that, I think nearly every team will make at least one change before game start. There's not a lot of guys for him to let go of because we just talked about the extreme depth he's got in the bottom half of his draft. There's not, a, I mean, there's a few guys there. If he lets them go, I'm going straight for him on waivers. So, uh, okay, well, so let's let's move on to our next team. We talked in the pre-draft preview about the fact that this guy owned a racing car chair. Um, and I believe he was sitting in that chair when he drafted and uh, there's a fair bit of speed in his lineup. So clearly got a little bit excited by the surrounds when he was picking his players. Jared, he was really keen on Clyde Edwards Hilaire and he traded up to eight trying to get him. He, if we remember was the, the mellow yellow owner who stared down the barrel of pick 12 the entire way through the, Marble League only in the last minute to come second in the last event and jump up to pick 11. Didn't think that was going to be good enough for Clyde Edwards, so he traded up to eight, didn't get him. Jared's team, at eight, he's taken Devontae Adams. Uh, 23, he's taken Godwin. 26, Chris Carson. 44, he took Prescott. Devontae Parker at 59. Uh, David Montgomery at 62. Stefan Diggs at 68. Evan Ingram at 86, which I quite like. Um, Harris, on Johnson, a couple of running backs at 107, 110. Johnny Smith at 131. Jay McKinnon, which I uh, assume is who that is, but it's been written down as Nikon in the, uh, in the draft list by Andrew. But I'm assuming that's Jerick McKinnon. Ayuk, uh, another wide receiver, and then the Chargers D and uh, Washington to round it out as his final running back. So he obviously wanted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, which means he wanted to start running back. He ended up going wide receiver, wide receiver. Jared's freely admitted that he just kind of panicked when he didn't get him. He, and he kind of took Devontae Adams. I, he asked me pre-draft whether I thought Devontae Adams would slip to 11 um, or a question to that effect, which was interesting because that to me sort of told me I thought he liked him. But it turned out it was really Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He was trying to work out whether people would take enough guys before him for him to slip to him. His wide receivers are pretty strong. I'd be very, very happy if I had Adams, Godwin, Parker and Diggs. Carson Montgomery, not so strong at your running backs. Um, and Harris and Kerryon Johnson behind them. 
I like McKinnon with upside, but he's not going to be a starter early in the season. Prescott's very solid at quarterback. It probably raises that same question. Did he need to take a quarterback that early, 44, when, you know, we talked about the guys that went around the 90 and 100 mark? Um, yeah, but got, Prescott so is the good. running backs. So uh, Hunt, uh, Bell and Ingram were the next two running backs. So all of them, that if you had one of them instead of Prescott there and then he's you know, picked up, even Jared Allen, sort of in the, the 80 range. Oh. His team's probably looking a bit more rounded than what it currently is. Well, I would disagree with that because Jared Allen as a defensive tackle was pretty good, but not as a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I'll reiterate some thoughts there just with his running backs. I mean, Chris Carson's a good, good player, but coming off hip surgery, they bring in Carlos Hyde. They're talking up DJ Dallas. They draft him. Um, I'd be concerned about Chris Carson this year. David Montgomery got carted off last week. Luckily, it's only a three to four week groin injury. Um, and then all of a sudden, you're down to Damien Harris and Kerryon Johnson, who um, Damien Harris, we don't know if he's good enough yet. They may bring a Fournette type in. Um, I like Damien Harris over Sony Michelle, which is quietly, but um, <laughs> that's no surprise. Um, and Kerryon, I'm just, I'm worried about his long-term um, ability with this team to actually play and play reasonable or meaningful amount of snaps for Detroit. So um, I've got massive concerns about Jared's running back room this year. Yeah, I think, well, clearly, yeah, I think your, your lack of faith in carry on is probably demonstrated by taking DeAndre Swift at 56. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Montgomery's wobbly. They, they just haven't been... The running back position hasn't been good at Chicago in the last couple of years anyway. So it's a, that's a risk a bit on its own. I think, though, the flip side, um, he probably could have waited and made his running back stronger had he not taken Prescott when he did. But at the end of the day, he's still got a top four quarterback, at least in the pre-draft rankings. I quite like his wide receivers. I think Engram, change of scenery, I think he could be potentially quite strong this year. Johnny Smith, we've talked about, is a great example of someone who's good who you can get late. So having him sitting behind isn't bad. Um, very big fan of, you know, we talked about Stefan Diggs. Is this the perfect year for him? Is it not the perfect year for him? When he's your fourth wide receiver, I don't think you have to worry too much. I think it's, it's all upside from there. So Devontae Parker's very solid. Godwin and Adams, you know, no one's going to fault them. So outside of that running back position, I think he's pretty much nailed it everywhere else. It's just going to be a case of, can he make enough moves? And it sounds from what Jared's saying that he's already trying um, to to be able to shore up that position. Because if he can, I reckon his team's looking pretty solid. But if he can't, it's it's a pretty significant weakness he carries into the year. Mm. And I I personally I actually would have Diggs ahead of Parker. So I, I quite like the Diggs pick. Um, he's got a bit more variance than Parker does, but um, Parker's played well for six months. And Diggs has shown it year after year. So, um, and I will. So, just my hot take with Dak Prescott is: I think he will be QB one this year. I think they are loaded. I think they've got weapons everywhere around him. Um, I think he can run. Um, I think they've got three legitimate wide receiver ones. Like I just think they're going to be scary offensively. I think they're going to be one of the top offensive teams this year, and and Dak's going to go off. 
and they're also going to be poor defensively as well. So they're going to be in shootouts every week. So um, hey, they've got yeah, everything. They're going to be there. We are defensively, and you bring in the big guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a fair call. I, I mean, I think we can. Again, this is sort of goes back to the point we made around Kyler Murray. It's easy to look at the draft in hindsight and go, "Oh, you probably could have waited on quarterback in those middle rounds. You didn't need to take him." But you don't know that at the time. You, you, for all he knows, he doesn't take Dak Prescott, and by the time it comes back to him at fifty-nine, he's six quarterbacks later. So, um, yeah, I, I, th- I think he's taken a good guy if he's going to take one at that position. Um, I personally, just to pick up on the Stefan Diggs thing, and you know, I guess as a Minnesota fan, I've watched him very closely. He He's done different stuff over his career in Minnesota. Like he, the last couple of years, he only seems to run deep routes. They literally, ever since Thielen kind of started being a good player, they stopped Stefan Diggs doing a bit of everything like he did early in his career. And they started basically just running in deep all the time, um, which kind of tells me he's got the potential to be an all-round wide receiver and just go nuts. Like you think of the way that a Michael Thomas or an AJ Green, when he's his best players and they do everything, Stefan Diggs is one of the guys like that. And I always thought that at Minnesota, I'd watch uh, Thielen who can do, he's a really good player, but he can only do a few things and just does them well. Whereas Diggs can kind of do everything. So there is massive upside with him, I reckon. Um, Obviously the fact that Jared Allen is not the most accurate of quarterbacks may, uh, may, may mean that he's, you know, got a little bit of a hindrance there, but yeah, I think that's a pretty, pretty strong upside play. And as I mentioned, I really like Ingram as well. Um, Mm. He also could not, I, I can't go without mentioning that he loves these 49ers and he could not go without taking McKinnon and Ayuk in the late rounds. He just needed a bit of vested interest in his team. <laughs> um, and so just on his buys, he's pretty safe. He's got no major bye weeks um, he's got to worry about. Reasonably strong team all over, I think. Yes. Keeney, do you want to take us through our next team, which is sure to be one of the, the main contenders this year? Well, wait. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. The great Steve Mann's uh, little outfit here. Let's get into it. So before the draft, Steve had a, a clear plan early to move back. So originally, what pick did you have early, Manny? I had five. So you had pick five. Um, and clearly, we'll talk to you about it um, a bit later, but clearly the plan was to move out, get some depth in those kind of early to middle rounds. Um, so he's ended up uh, pulling that off to perfection, having six picks in the first 43 of the draft. But his first pick came at pick 19, um, which we'll get to in a second. And I picked at 15 until Kittle. I think I must have blacked out and forgot that Julio Jones was on the board because somehow <laughs> he has gotten to your first pick. I think I'd only had two drinks at that point. But <laughs> so maybe some my drinks, but he, he somehow, I thought he was gone and so I didn't take him. And he somehow slipped all the way to 19. I don't think I've ever seen it. Um, and for someone who's traded out all their first round picks and their first pick is 19, for Julio to be on the board, I know it threw your plans out a little bit for everything else, but you must have been pumped to see that name on the board at 19. I, I actually also thought, because um, I... I'm not too sure what I was doing in the couple of minutes leading up, but I also thought Josh Jacobs was still on the board. So I had a bit of a moment of, cause I've got 19 and 22. I had a bit of a moment of how do I get both of them? Oh. Um, but I, I, and I thought there's no chance. So I actually tried to take Jacobs thinking he was still there, which if, if anyone knows Camo, which hopefully everyone in this league does by now, 
the one thing that just gets come out absolutely fired up is when you attempt to pick someone that's always already off the board, <laughs> particularly when it's the guy that Camo's taken three picks in earlier. So that just, you know, if Not three picks, one, one pick earlier. I uh, took him at, oh, I did. He took him at 18. You're right. Well, that's how I missed. <laughs> um, but so we were worried before the draft about Camo not being alive. He was well and truly alive as soon as I tried <laughs> to pick a guy he'd just taken. So anyway, so that, that's all my problem. So, yeah, I was I was ecstatic to be honest that Julio was there. The the fact that I thought both were there suddenly made me panic because I'm I had a plan, um, which maybe we'll come back to once you've gone through the team and I can kind of explain a bit about why I took who I did in the subsequent picks. But needless to say, my plan was not to take Julio in my first pick, and I had no idea that he'd be there, and it wasn't to take a wide receiver at all for my first couple of picks. So that kind of threw everything out. Um, but yeah, absolutely ecstatic to be able to get someone that good after getting, cause I, you know, after I took him, it's like taking someone to pick 10 and then I've got five more picks in the next yeah. 20 picks afterwards. So yeah, yeah. real winfall. Exactly. Exactly right. So um, we'll go through the rest of your draft um, now. So obviously Julio, huge value at 19, then James Connor at 22. We'll get to in a second. Mahomes at 27. Um, Calvin Ridley, Adam Thielen, back-to-back um, in the 30s to round out year three receivers. Then we start getting into a few running backs, Melvin Gordon and Tariq Cohen, um, who's always undervalued in a PPR format. Hayden Hurst, um, your tight end this year, um, quite like that pick at 91. Um, and then Christian Kirk, Tony Pollard, a bit of Zeke, insurance slash trade value slash RB1 value if Zeke goes down. Stafford as your number two. Gee whiz, why did you do that? Um, <laughs> nah, we'll, we'll talk about that because I've ripped everyone else for taking two QBs and you, you've got my home. So um, anyway, Stephen Sims, the number one receiver at Washington, according to Manny. Um, Naheem Hines, Rashad Perryman, and Devonta Freeman with your last pick. I don't mind that. He, I, he's someone who could end up on a on a roster at some point, so um, not bad. But let's uh, let's go back to kind of. I think the most interesting point about your draft is obviously your first six picks. Um, now, my question to you is: obviously, stacking a lot of picks in that twenty to forty range. Was there always a plan? of yours to try and grab either Jackson or Mahomes? Yes, was one of them. So I, and I sort of, I, I realized after we recorded the last podcast that I said something I shouldn't have, which was that I had to build my whole roster in those six picks because I was essentially tipping off the fact that I was going to take a tight end and a quarterback in the six. I'm not too sure if anyone read into that and what they could have done with it. But my plan was basically 19, I was going to take Kittle or Kelsey. 22, I was going to take the best running back on the table, which I thought I'd probably get Aaron Jones, but I thought there's probably a couple of others that I'd be happy to take around that range. I might get lucky and a Jacob slips. Then 27, I was going to take, I was going to make a call at that point. If both quarterbacks were on the board, I would take neither quarterback and take best available, whatever position, and then try and get Mahomes or Jackson at 34, 35. If one of them was gone, I was going to take him there. And then 34, 35, I was going to, I really liked the wide receivers in that patch. So I was planning on taking two wide receivers. So ideally by that point, I've gone tight end, running back, quarterback, wide receiver, wide receiver, or I've gone 
tight end, running back, you know, running back or wide receiver, quarterback, wide receiver type thing. It was really clear in my head. Then Julio is still there at 19. And I'm like, I've got to take him. And I've still got Kelsey on the board. I can probably hopefully get him at 22. And if not, my plan of Aaron Jones is still there as well at 22. I take Julio at 19. At at, uh, 20, Travis Kelsey goes. At 21, Aaron Jones goes. So suddenly every running back I like is off the board. I've got no tight ends of the two tight ends that I wanted. And then I basically, because I've been wanting to go wide receivers with the next picks, not to mention the fact that Jackson had gone, as we talked about in the last podcast at 16, I've only got one of my quarterbacks left. And I'm like, if I don't take... I've only got one running back I like left in this range, which is Connor, and he's like 15 picks too early. Mahomes is one pick away from losing him. I could take the wrong guy here, and I'm going to have none of them by 27. So I took Connor at 22 because I thought Mahomes was more likely to still be there. I've copped a bit of flack for taking Connor so early, but the fact that Mahomes held to 27, I got to take him then kind of restored things a little bit for me, so I was kind of okay. And then I guess I was the beneficiary of... Ridley and Thielen, who I thought would have gone earlier, both being on the board at 34-35. So it looks a bit weird, kind of. And then I obviously had to take a, a running back, my second running back with the 40s pick. So Melvin Gordon was best available at that time. Not exactly what I would have wanted, but I'll take it. Um, I mean, ideally, I was kind of hoping to get Aaron Jones and James Connor as my two running backs, but, you know, whatever. It's not the end of the world. Um, yeah, so... I guess the probably a lengthy explanation of those six picks, but essentially it was all stuffed up by Julio Jones because it cost me the entire thing that I'd planned the entire lead up into the draft, but probably okay with how it turned out. Absolutely. Um, and, you, and you mentioned, you know, potentially reaching for a James Connor. I think if you like someone and it's kind of the last player on your tier, then you just got to take him and not worry about what people think. Um, yeah. Interesting yeah. one with him is like you're saying instead of taking him, taking the wrong person, well, the wrong person there is Leonard Fournette, which went three picks later. And if you did that, um, then all of a sudden you're looking a bit shaky and you're, you're um, heading down the Fitz track. So we don't, we don't <laughs> want to do that. Um, That's but correct. Actually, if you look at, just on that, if you look at who went after that, right? Yeah. So I take um, Connor at 22, Chubb was still there at that time. I, I, I've mentioned already, I really like pass catching running backs in full point PPR. So Chubb, as good as a player as he is, there's the uncertainty of, um, of Kareem Hunt. And then you've also got the fact that he doesn't catch the ball. Um, and then after that was Fournette, Carson, Todd Gurley, David Johnson, Taylor, Gordon, Le'Veon Bell. Like I didn't want any of these guys. Mm. Um, as I said, I eventually took Gordon at 43, you know, 21 picks later. But I just really like Connor with sort of Steelers back to normal in offense and, and him hopefully getting a full run at it this year. Um, but it, it, it's, it's tough because I think I only got away with it because Mahomes was still there at 27 because I was really close to taking Mahomes at 22 because I did not want to miss him. But I just thought, well, I've got to take the risk that the next, you know, Fitzy won't take a quarterback probably. Jared definitely won't. Um, Jared's got two of the picks. I've got to take the risk that Reese doesn't. Oh, I'm just going to. I roll the dice. I'm more likely to lose Connor than Mahomes, but it was a very nervous five picks. Well, you say there's some uncertainty in Cleveland with with uh, Kareem Hunt, but I I uh, I think there's some complete certainty that Kareem Hunt will be involved in that rushing attack, um, and they will use him 
Um, I think the last six weeks of the season, he was like running back five or something. So um, he'll be in their plans, no doubt, with with Stefanski coming on board as well. So I'm with you a little bit with uh, with Chubb. I'm not. I'm not. I don't really know what to to make of him, especially in a PPR format. Um, so do you want to talk about kind of after that, which which kind of picks you liked in particular, um, what you thought you got a little bit of value on, um, anything like that? Or Andrew, do you want to have a, any thoughts on what you think of, of Manny's team? Well, the main, I personally had Chubb above Connor. So for you sort of touched on that. Um, and then we, we need to hear the reasoning for Stafford after you've taken the homes. Fill us in, Manny. Yeah, so Stafford was um, – so basically Mahomes, uh, we've talked about – I mean, we haven't gone through my full team, but I've got Hayden Hurst at, um, as the obviously Atlanta tight end, um, which I'm pretty happy with because we saw what Austin Hooper did last year in that, in that role. I've got Julio and I've got Kelvin Ridley, um, so three Falcons. Then I've also got Mahomes who has the same bye week, and I'm sorry that I'm stealing your thunder – um, from your deep analysis that's coming up. But I, I knew the bye weeks going in. So as soon as I started taking Falcons and I had Mahomes, because I looked at these guys, I knew they all had the same bye week. So I looked up what quarterback has the best matchup week 10. And I was excited to find that it was Stafford, who I really like anyway. And I thought, I'm going to take him. He plays Washington week 10 at home. He, he's the sort of guy I could see having a massive year anyway. And he's really good trade value for me. And if all he does is sit on my bench and I pull him out for that one week where he's got a great matchup, I'm kind of okay doing it. And worst case, if I really need the roster spots and I have to drop him, it's not the end of the world. But I was happy to sort of go there and just take him before I ended up with just some random guy or just had to had to stream because I think I'm losing week 10 anyway. But Stafford to me is a guy that if someone, like, like a Fitzy's got Aaron Rodgers, if Aaron Rodgers just does nothing and I've got Stafford who's, you know, QB4, which is totally within the realms of possibility. I reckon I can get something pretty good trade-wise from him. Although, looking at Fitzy's roster, I might get a couple of guys who are no longer at NFL lists at that point in time. Well, I also think it gives you an opportunity to sell Mahomes if you yeah, want to. Yep. Like, you can keep Stafford, sell Mahomes for something pretty good um, and add to, that, add to that depth. Now, one other question, you just touched on it. Was there any thought in your mind... Um, you take Julio. Um, I'm 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 really high on Calvin Ridley myself. But was there any doubts already having Julio in the bank? A with Ridley, and then B again with Hurst, who obviously you've targeted as someone you like. Um, did that ever change? Given that you'd already taken a couple of Falcons. No, I've done it before. I've um, my first championship was basically built off the entire Eagles offense, so I had. Um, Trying to think back to it was. I had Michael Vick as quarterback. I had LaShawn McCoy as running back. I had Deshaun Jackson and um, who was it? Uh, I can't remember. They, they had another wide receiver at the time. I had Zach Ertz as tight end and I had the kicker in defense. So I literally <laughs> had the entire offense. But they dominated. It was just the year that they went berserk. It was the year that um, DJX did that game against the Giants, did the return. On the, on the punt late in the game. Not that that got many points, but it was exciting. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was just a, it's, it's a strategy I'm very comfortable with doing because um, we talked about the bye week thing. I'm kind of, if I pick an offense I think is going to be really, really good, I'm happy just to ride them. Um, I tried to do it last year with, uh, 
I, I didn't have the quarterback, but I tried to do it a little bit with wide receivers and stuff at um at the Chiefs. Uh, the the one that kind of got me was Hurst because I really really liked him, but I was not expecting to be in the market for a tight end at that point. I thought I would have got one as I said with my first pick. So um, he's probably the extra one I wouldn't have expected to get, and I never expected to get Julio. But you know whatever, happy to ride with that. Um, Cohen, to your question before, Cohen was one I liked as well, particularly given there's a bit of an injury cloud around David Montgomery, which has probably softened a bit since. But as we went into the draft. You know, there was a lot of question marks around him. And as you say, Cohen's just always good PPR because he just gets, you know, six, seven passes a game. So he's got a pretty safe start. Um, and then probably the other one I just... And the, Naheem Himes was, was the same rationale around taking him. Um, and Pollard was... We all talked about wanting to try to get um, uh, Alexander Madison. Pollard was just... Yeah, I'm just going to sit and wait for something to go wrong for Cam and then figure out what I want to do with him. He's a high upside yeah. guy. Well, I was going to ask, actually, to the listeners, it only took 38 minutes for Steve to get to one of his championship-winning teams, which is <laughs> longer than normal on a podcast. So we, we did well to get this far. Um, but coming back to Tony Pollard, I was going to ask you, we, we've just been through Cam's team, and we like the look at kind of that depth um, in his squad that he's got. Are you one to sort of look at that and, and throw a trade out as the Zeke owner early before something would happen or are you more keen to sit on your hands and wait for something to happen and then all of a sudden you got an RB1 kind of what's the strategy there for you uh, I think I might now you've suggested it <laughs> to be honest with you I would have just done nothing but it's actually a pretty good idea because I, I like I think I really like a Debo Samuel um, and oh, oh, hold on we haven't got to the low ball sections yet on the podcast <laughs> just relax we're going to do that at the end <laughs> oh. No, Samuel. <laughs> not I think if um, yeah, I don't know. I might, I might just just see how things start out in the first couple of weeks because we talked about with Cam's team the risk around his running backs. If one of them drops and he's suddenly sitting on two guys, one of them Zeke, suddenly the value of Tony Pollard goes up quite extremely in his in his eyes. So. Suddenly, a Debo Samuel is not off, you know, not completely off the table. So, yeah, it's a good call. I'd look at that. You're welcome. And just to touch on it, your week 10, where you've got all your Atlanta players on Mahomes, you're playing Jared. So, um, I think Jared, yeah. that's another one that might be a ticket off already. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I can't, like, obviously, I took Stafford in part because of his matchup that week, but. I can't see how I'm going to be able to cover for all those guys. It's also tough. Again, you've got the quarterback and tight end both um, missing the same week. That's what always makes it tough as well. Yeah. Well, and, and now, now we've analysed the uh, other teams and I've realised this genius woodsy strategy of the tight end kicker combo. Fair chance <laughs> that I'm probably going to get Young Way Koo into my team. So there's another one I'll lose that week as well. I will say Jared has uh, Dallas on by that week, Dak Prescott. So you've lucked out a little bit there, Manny. Yeah, that's true. I might, I might try and trade him, Matt Stafford. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's getting revealed on the podcast. <laughs> this is good, actually, to be honest with you, because I, I don't think about trading as much as this <laughs> conversation forces me to think about it. I typically... I put a lot of thought into who I'm going to draft and the value of them, but my value is more around when 
the absolute extreme happens, not when people think it might happen. So it's, it's, it's only going to help. Here to help, mate. The other one I'll very quickly touch on Devonta Freeman. Yes. Um, I I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but in my mind, when you can take a guy who maybe gets signed between now and week one to a roster and suddenly is a potential running back one, or if not, I drop him and pick up a defense. That seemed like a pretty, uh, pretty, I don't think, I think everyone, anyone else probably would have done it if they'd thought of it, but that seemed like a pretty safe bet to me. So do you, are you a Brashad Perryman fan? Yeah, I am. Yeah. This is my problem. Actually, I don't really have guys I want to drop. That's where so I was going. A, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I was saying, I um, was hoping I played someone without a kicker week one, so I could make a like no kicker pack with them. But I got Reese, who's drafted a kicker. Yeah, I, I think the risk is unfortunately, Andrew, you, you've outed the how to prevent the kicker strategy thing in the last podcast. So we might that might be a plan that goes out the window. But my issue is I've got to drop two guys, and I, like Freeman's an easy one, but. I don't really have many other options because there's a couple of guys I love on the waivers and I can't. Yeah. Can't there's there's one player it. that I keep eyeing off being like, oh, I could add them, but yeah, I, I just, I prefer the players I've drafted obviously because I had the chance to get them. So I've, hmm. it's, it's tough. Just looking at the waivers, there are some serious defenses just sitting there. <laughs> like Aaron Donald's defense is sitting there. If you, if you like a piece of that, I mentioned the Saints earlier. Tampa Bay's got a nice defense. Um, Tennessee, like they've got a great defense. Seattle, like there's just a heap of good defenses just sitting there on waivers. I think that, and that's that's more than the remaining defenses needed. So that probably tells you, at least for now, preseason, there's there's twelve at least good defenses. So it's not a position that you're particularly worried about if you haven't got one. Enough of Manny, I reckon. Let's move on to our next uh, game. We'll go the man who lucked out and got pick one, uh, Reese. And so, obviously, he started off. He got the best player in fantasy football, Christian McCafferty. Um, And then, I mean, uh, you two seem to not be as high on him as I am. And then he's taken Chubb with uh, pick two. Uh, Robert Woods at pick three. I think he's going to be good this year, but... At pick 30, I was probably not where I probably had him closer to 35, 40. Um, and then he's taken Hunt with his fourth round pick, which is fast you. So at the moment, he doesn't have Hunt in his starting lineup. Um, if you've got Chubb, are you playing both Chubb and Hunt? Um, and then if you're not going to, like obviously it's you get the safety and Hunt's a probably running back one if Chubb misses. But... You're taking him in the fourth round. You have to. Play, you should be playing him. Otherwise, you should take yeah. someone else. I, I agree. I think you can't use your fourth round pick on a guy that's a handcuff if that's how you see him. Um, but I don't think he's. I don't see him as a handcuff. I, I'd start him if I had him. Um, so he might just be playing mind games with his lineups. <laughs> yeah, he could be. Yeah, um, I'm with you though. Like if you're going to take Chubb at 24. Um, Either take someone else and take Kareem Hunt or, um, yeah, take someone else. Like the Kareem Hunt one is interesting because he was, like, doing some, doing some research on this a few weeks ago. 
he was one that was like, you know, a nice sixth, seventh, eighth round sleeper. And all of a sudden here he is in the fourth round getting taken. I think, mm. I think it just went a bit extreme on the Kareem Hunt love. Like I like him too, but wowee, I think the fourth round is a bit of a stretch for mine, especially when you've already got Chubb. Yeah. yeah. The, the one thing I would say though is three picks later, Mark Ingram went. I probably prefer Hunt to Ingram. I don't think Ingram's position's any more secure than Hunt's. And, and Hunt, you know, we know he's going to catch a huge amount of passes. And last year, he was lining up in wide receiver slots on plays. You know, I, I just think he's a starter. That's probably the bit that's missing out of it for me if he's, if he's got him on the bench currently. Um, and then so he's then taken Ertz with his next pick. Um, he's then gone four wide receivers in a row with uh, Gallup, Edelman, Slayton and Shepard. Um, taken the uh, Ocho's uh, adopted son in Gibson and then Hunter Renfro, Josh Kelly taken his quarterback I think the latest anyone took their starting quarterback at um, round 13 with Cam Newton then he's taken a D and kicker with his last two picks um, and so my points so I like that he took both the wide receivers for New York I think one of them's going to sort of I mean, they, they could both just sort of cancel each other out. But I think I really like Slayton. But, I mean, there's also a chance that Shepard, one of those just separates themselves and then you can just get rid of the other one. Uh, I, I agree. I think relatively safe. You probably, I mean, best case for him is one, that they don't stay equal, that one steps up and the other one drops back. I think Gallup's, you know, reasonably good upside Took steps forward last year. Edelman's typically a pretty safe pick. I mean, who knows how he looks with Cam Newton, but I do love the Cam Newton pick at 145. If you're going to wait that long, you can still get someone that good. It just shows nerves of steel that, you know, we talked about guys who kind of panicked in the sixth and seventh round and started taking quarterbacks when they probably didn't need to. This is the exact opposite of that. So I really like that pick. Um, do not like the pick of Hunter Renfro just because... I think I mentioned it on draft night. I scrolled down for about five minutes to the bottom of my draft board to where it was listed every single kicker and smack bang in the middle of it, H Renfro. So whoever, whoever um, wrote the original draft board that I downloaded and then started tweaking for mine does not rate Hunter Renfro and neither do I. Well, for mine, he's, he's lucked out a little bit with the injuries in Philly at the minute where they're, Sanders and um, Phil Rager and a few of their other guys are going down like um, basically every day they've got a new injury. So Ertz should have some good value. But with that said, um, touching on Renfro, I would much rather, instead of taking Ertz where he did, take a Cooper, take a Metcalf, take a Sutton um, and then pair that up. Instead of Renfro in the 11th round, take a Fant or a Jaseki or a TJ Hawkinson. I think that's a much better combination <laughs> Um, and we've talked about that a couple of times, but just the opportunity cost of taking Ertz in the fifth round when there's still a few stud receivers on the board um, and getting a similar type of tight end in the later rounds, I think that's probably one area he could have improved his team a little bit. Mm. Yeah, I feel like as well he's got... So he's always going to start Woods and then that second wide receiver that he starts, assuming that he starts his um, three running backs that he's picked in the first four rounds, like the, it's going to be the frustration of who's going off that week um, and trying to get it right, and then someone going off on your bench because I think Gallup, Edelman, Slayton, and Shepard as well could all probably 
have big weeks, but then you know they could. All, I'm pretty sure they you know they could all have pretty low weeks as well. Yeah, there's no yeah. real number ones there, is there? In the wide no, like Gallup, kind of, but I mean, there's three number ones in that offense, so it's none of them are. Yeah, I guess the other way you could look at it, <clears throat> obviously, you know, I think we've we've skipped over CMC, but you know, he's just miles away the best player in the comp, and you know, from a fantasy perspective, and we'll win recent weeks just by being him. So that's probably worth kind of calling out. But if you flip it and you go, what's the worst case scenario? Um, let's say he loses one of his running backs. He's still got five-ish wide receivers that are all startable for his two wide receiver slots in his flex. Um, equally, if he decides to play only two of his running backs for whatever reason, you know, like I say, there's three guys that can play in the flex. He's got a third strong enough wide. He only really needs two. I guess what I'm trying to say is he can lose guys from either position and he's still got a reasonably strong starting lineup between running backs and wide receivers. He's also not invested a lot of draft capital in quarterbacks, so he can easily wave the guys and not feel too bad about that when you've taken your first one in the, or your only one in the 13th round. Um, and then Zach Ertz, yeah, I kind of agree, probably went a bit higher there. But I think if there's ever a year you can take some pretty low tight ends, this is probably the one. It seems to be more depth than they usually use at that position. Yeah, no argument here. Though I don't mind taking a high... Anyway, normally I'm a high tight end guy um, just because it does give you a bit of consistency at a... like Even with this year where they're a bit open, it's still a bit hit and miss at tight end. So if you get sort of one of the higher tight ends, you can sort of set them, not worry about it, and sort of move on, which... Um, does help a bit, I think. Also, just quickly, um, it's interesting. I hadn't really thought too much about this, but it's interesting. Christian McCaffrey, the first pick overall, obviously, and then pairing him up with Cam Newton as his quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> oh. They've got good chemistry. <laughs> Midnight, and I've lost the plot. I just thought Cam Newton was on Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I, just, oh, I thought that was a reference to his former team. Nah, it, I just lost it. I was like, <laughs> halfway through that sentence, I'm like, oh, wait, he doesn't play for him anymore. <laughs> that point. It's interesting, the Zach Ertz thing, because I think you can kind of look at it with rose-coloured glasses or you can look at it you know, in the opposite yeah. way. The question to me comes down to what is that first tier? Or like, where do you draw the line at the really good tight ends versus the rest? Because if you draw it, if there's two and then everyone else, or maybe Mark Andrew goes in that category and then there's three and everyone else, or maybe you include Waller and Ertz and then there's everyone else. But to me, where you draw the line sort of determines whether you think it's reasonable to take a tight end in those picks or you've just wasted your time and you should have waited another six rounds. So, I mean, what do you guys think? Where, where did you, I mean, I guess, Andrew, you're going to have a view on this. That, <laughs> probably um, swayed or demonstrated by who you actually took. But, yeah, where do you guys draw the line on tight end? Um, I'll go first if you like. But um, I had the three guys that went first three as a clear three. And then I'm happy if I didn't get one of them to to wait. I, I'll talk to about your team in a second, Andrew, but um, I'm a big Mark Andrews fan. Um, I think he has the ability to 
to elevate into that top echelon tight end. Um, but I think Kelsey and Kittle and him are the clear three and then it kind of it gets real real murky. Matt, you could throw Ertz in there, but um, it's borderline for mine. But then like the middle pack are so close together for mine that we just don't know. Someone will emerge from that pack, but at the minute we don't really know. So you can just wait and try and find the guy you like. And if it's a Hayden Hurst, he could be the one, but you, you don't have to take him in the fifth round. Yeah, I'm about the same. That's like... I probably had Ertz closer to the – well, I've probably had the Andrews and Ertz sort of a bit um, separate from Kelsey and Kittle. but And then after those four, uh, like Ertz, I still had a bit uh, – like a round or two below Andrews. So, so it's still a bit early for Ertz where he's t- taken him, but I don't mind Ertz. Like I, I think especially with um, Wentz playing, I hopefully a full season, he should get a lot of targets. Yeah, for, for the record, I'm probably the two. And then, I, like, I, I do see massive upside with Mark Andrew, but I see massive upside with Hayden Hurst and you know, a couple of others. I, I, he's, he's not worth... I probably wasn't going to take him because he just, for where you need to take him, I didn't think it was worth the extra and what well, you've got to sacrifice at another position. So um, I think we all agree with kind of the ranking order, though. Has he done the number one pick justice? In who he's picked? Or I mean, not with the pick team. itself, but with his whole team. Oh. Yeah, I think so. Um, he, I mean, he's got a. I don't like. He's every week he's going to have a competent team coming out to support him, and then I think that's all you need to put around CMT. If you put people who can consistently get points, and then you've got a player who can put up forty every week, um, and go from there. I mean, that's what you need to do. I mean, I'm, I'm playing in week one, and I'm not looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. So we touched on it earlier, but um, I I, fi- I found it a strange move to take McCaffrey and then within two of your next three picks take two running backs from the same team in Chubb and Hunt. I think with the advantage of having McCaffrey, don't take Chubb. Take another gun receiver and take Hunt in the fourth round if you like Hunt and then load up. You've already got McCaffrey as a gun running back take a guy with a high upside in, in Hunt and you've got two really solid receivers in behind if that's kind of what you want to do. Um, not, not not that I'm against Nick Chubb, but I just, yeah, I, I found that a real interesting strategy to take two guys from the one team in your first four picks with McCaffrey as one of those picks. Mm, yeah, that's fair. One, I'm just looking at his draft picks and what was he doing? He <laughs> traded... Sorry, I'm just, I'm, I'm just sorry, I'm a little confused here. From what I can tell, right? So he, he's, he's on the turn. He's got one, then he's got 24, 25, 48, 49, 72, 73, etc. He somehow traded 25 down to 30, but he doesn't seem to have really got anything for it. Well, I haven't even saved the. He traded I was, 25. I, I, I was just going through, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking it at was, that too. He's traded 25 and 97 for nothing. It, nah, it was like for, the, it was for it, like 30 and like 80 or something from memory. I can't remember exactly which right. picks it was. Right. Yeah, it would have been 82 and 120 later on. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's fine. But it just, it stuck out to me because at 25, he could have got, who went yeah. at 25? <laughs> Leonard Fournette. Maybe I didn't stop him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you're between twenty five at- and thirty, guys like Golladay, Mahomes, Fournette, um, Carson, 
Robinson all went in that group. He took yeah. Robert Wood. You talked about who you probably thought you could get later on. He could have theoretically, if he kept 25, he could have gone Golladay and then got Woods at his next pick. Um, and, you know, at 49, he takes Kareem Hunt. I mean, I don't know. It's probably... It's yeah. Hmm. Um, and then just on buys, uh, week nine, he's got Ertz, Chubb, Hunt and Woods on buys uh, against Havers. Havers has been the beneficiary of a couple of them, hasn't he? Might have a good season this year, Havers. If you have a look at his odds on Sportsbet, I think if you if you go back to the first podcast, uh, I might have called it the year of the Haver. So <laughs> the uh, predictions coming true already. I reckon you've got in his ear and said, "Why don't you draft Antonio Brown in the fourteenth round? You're my boy this year. Get in there. <laughs> if, if I thought it." If I'd thought of the fact that I could put him on IR, I would have taken him too. Um, to put a dampener on your pick, he's, he's got a job now, so he won't be able yeah. to put all his effort into fantasy anymore. So he, he, he peaked before the season started. In his <laughs> well, he hasn't started. He can't start it till stage four is done. So uh, he probably won't get to start it till the end of the season anyway. Oh, perfect. Um, not for society or anyone's <laughs> mental health, but perfect for his fantasy team, which I'm obviously vested interested in. Uh, okay, so the, the final team and and probably the uh, least anticipated, most just <laughs> boring team that will ever come across, colour-coded, showing that, you know, you, you only had one sheet open at a time, picking the same position a few times and you'd switch to a different position, um, is the commish, Andrew. Now, you've, you've talked about before the fact that you, a little bit like myself, pretty active on trades, you you trade it back, you trade it up, you're out of the first round, you're back in, you're, you've ended up just out of the first round, so you've started with 13-14. Um, you took Mixon at 13, Miles Sanders at 14, Todd Gurley at 33. Um, at, after that, you realise that you need other positions as well, so you quickly took a tight end at 41 with Mark Andrews. Um, someone undoubtedly reminded you that you need wide receivers, so you then took Lockett, AJ Brown and Fuller with 45, 47, 82. Um, I really like Will Fuller, by the way, as that pick. Um, James White, Latavius Murray, Duke Johnson, and your next few picks with Matt Ryan in there too as your quarterback. You've got Hawkinson at 136, which I think we've touched on the fact that that was a pretty good get at that position. Um, although, as the guy drafted him last year and knows how frustrating it can be to have him when they're not throwing the ball to him, you know, I'm happy for you to have him. Um, uh, you took... Uh, Palace Campbell at 153. You then took an unprecedented third tight end at 160. Now, I'm hoping that you understand you can only play one, two max if you want to use your flex spot on a tight end. So three tight ends is just... It, it's, big, it's the new kicker in round 12, I reckon. Um, I just thought that the... That's where the value is in the late rounds was that those tight ends, um, I mean, while I can only start one, I'm not I'm not normally, uh, normally going to start the guy I pick in round 14 anyway. But if one of those guys hits and becomes you know, a top five tight end, it makes it uh, much easier to get a good trade-off because you can, um, when you can throw in two positions, it does help a lot. 
Yeah, I I um I've just watched Keeney shake his head in absolute dismay for the past two minutes. Since he's undoubtedly just noticed that you've taken three. This is this is Australia the Benwood subscription copy book. This is, <laughs> this is front page, first article. Here's this is the title would have been Here's How You Win Your Draft This Weekend. <laughs> and it's draft three tight ends. What, what I just noticed you've done this. I am appalled. <laughs> it's it's gotta be the uh the first time. I, I didn't realise as well until I looked through his team pre rundown and um, I, I t- had to do a double take. To be fair, to be honest, I assumed first glance that he just color coded one of them wrong. And it's like, and it's not like it's not like um, he's got a couple of you know long shot tight ends in there. He's got Mark Andrews, a third tight end off the board, and thought, no, no, I'm going to go for two more towards the back end. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Oh, oh. But when you look at so after Herndon, the next position players were yeah. Chanel, who. <laughs> uh, Evans, McFarlane, Perryman, Brown. Like, they're fine players, but, like, I think Herndon could lead the Jets. He'd, well, not lead the Jets, but he's second in the Jets in targets. In PPR, like, I think... I mean, there's a chance I cut him after week one if they're not using him, or I cut him even before week one if I need a kicker. But there's also a chance that, I mean, he's a 100 or not maybe 90 target tight end that you know, becomes a top five tight end. So in PPR, so. I think there's upside to him. Your problem's probably going to be that there's very few teams that are going to want to trade for a tight end, let alone two. So your trade value of them is pretty well. I mean, it's going to take a while for that trade value to come to fruition. And you've got two tight ends sitting on your bench in the meantime. I mean, if they do hit, I mean, I could also do as uh, Kenny was saying with you with Mahomes, you know, if one of them looks like they're going to be the breakout tight end, then you can trade Andrews to someone and then keep using the breakout tight end and you're getting a good, you know, Andrews has name value. So you're uh, getting a good player there. Um, I mean, Herndon is probably the most likely one to be cut if I need to pick up a kicker. So it's not, I'll probably only be running the two, but. Backing the um, truck up here, ladies and gentlemen. The, the truck <laughs> is just getting backed up here. He's trying <laughs> He's going to be on the waivers by the end of the podcast. Oh, he's talking. already flagged that he's going to drop in. Uh, it's a disgrace. My pick forty. There's, there's one. <laughs> no, mate, just taking, taking the piss. There's one question on everyone's lips, though, and I think it's pretty obvious. And that is, did Woodsy snipe you with Butker at pick one fifty nine? I know you had one sixty next. <laughs> Surely you were eyeing him off there in the fourteenth round. You must have been devastated when Woodsy. Just snapped on the big kicker from Kansas City. Um, well, I did want a part of that offense, but um, you know, oh. some look. And as much as I don't want to give him any credit, sometimes you've got to, you know, tip your hat to someone who just pips you at the post. <laughs> who do you drop? You've not picked up a kicker, so you're going to have to likely let someone go. If not week one, then you know, relatively early. There's not a lot of weakness in that team. Is is he the first one on the chopping block, or? Well, look, I'm going to give you some inside baseball here. Um, look, I've got the first Monday of the season off, so I'll be up at three AM watching the game. And Paris and Herndon both have three AM um, games our time, so I'll probably wait and see the first three quarters, and then whichever ones, depending on how they look, 
cut one of them, whoever's looking worse, and then pick up a kicker at that time. If I need one, hopefully I'll have blown Reese away by that point. I can keep the hand and train rolling. You, you heard it, Reese. Just at about 2.30 a.m., pick, quickly pick up and drop every kicker in the league. <laughs> I think that'll screw over nearly every... Ooh, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Because I, I, I'd like to do a similar thing where wait and see. But I just think too many teams are doing it. You've kind of got to have your team locked and loaded before the first game. Or at least not, not the Thursday game, but the, the first Sunday game would be my tip. Looking at your team, but back to it's, it's it's hard not to look at your team and just see tight ends. But if you sort of squint your eyes and peer through the the, the forest of tight ends, um, Mixon, Sanders, Gurley. It's also you've ordered it quite well because, as I said, you drafted by position. Mixon, Sanders, Gurley. You're pleased with that that running back? Yeah, I was big on Mixon coming in. Um, I sort of yeah had him behind Edward Tolera's the running back there. And then Sanders, I was big on, but I thought it, like I mean, he was going sort of in the first round before his injury. So then once he got injured, I was kind of thought I could get him there. So um, I wanted to go running back, running back with 13, 14, um, which was then uh, lucky that Mixon dropped to me. And then Sanders, I thought, would be there after his uh, injury pickup. Are you concerned that those three running backs in particular have all got some sort of red flag attached to them at the minute. Extremely. I was very <laughs> happy with my team after the draft. And then I woke up in the morning and every, like my three running backs and AJ Brown are all questionable at the moment. I'm just like, what have I done to myself? But um, I think Mixon will be fine. Uh, Sanders, I think, look, based on the report today, they reckon he, he was doing stuff that they reckon he wouldn't do if he wasn't going to play week one. And Gurley, I knew what I was getting into, so I can't really complain about Gurley. But with Gurley, I think as well that he's, it's not like when he was at LA, he's on a one-year deal. They have no incentive to try and keep him healthy, whereas LA last year, he was still on that massive deal. So, you know, they're trying to protect him a bit, but Atlanta will run him into the ground. He'll let himself get run into the ground because he wants another contract next year. Um, and if I get 10 good girly games in that offense, which would be really good. And if, you know, they're the right games, that could put me in a good final spot, I think. With Gurley's an interesting one for mine because um, you took him in the middle of the really rich wide receiver period. Um, I had the two picks straight after you and I got Kelvin Ridley and Adam Thielen. Were you, given you already had two running backs, were you tempted to take a wide receiver? At that uh, so I kind of actually had him split right there. So I had um, like the Galladay, uh, DJ Moore, uh, Alan Robinson above him. And then Gurley just pipped out um, like that next tier of Ridley, Thielen, uh, Cup, DJ. But I was only going to take Gurley if I took two running backs. I didn't want him to be my prime, like as someone I had to rely on at running back. So if I'd something had happened. Like if I'd taken Julio instead of Sanders, then I probably would have gone another wide receiver there and probably taken Ridley or Thielen, who were my next two players on the board. Right. And we talked a little bit about Mark Andrews. I mean, for me, it's too early. Well, not too early. It's just, I just 
prefer a bit like Kenny's points being on a few players. I prefer a different player there and then a different tight end later. But um, you're happy happy with him, obviously. Pick your fourth pick. Uh, so when I was sort of preparing, I never really thought I was going to pick him because I was that second tier of running, well, not second tier, but then that next tier of running backs, uh, wide receivers, sorry, after Gurley, Ridley, Thielen, uh, Shark, uh, Evans, would have, I thought would go earlier, and Cup, and I thought Woods would be in that tier as well. I thought one of them would drop to me at 41. So that's what I'd sort of been planning on. And then I wasn't really a fan of, so Juju, Gordon, Prescott went before my next pick, which was 45. I wasn't a fan of any of them. So I just sort of took best available um, and sort of plan from there. But my, as you saw with my tight ends, my plan was to load up on tight ends late and take two or three, depending on draft position of those late guys. But then um, I, I had either, as you would know, Manny, from your draft, sometimes you just take best available and work it out from there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think given all that, I'm a pretty big fan of your next three picks because I really like Tyler Lockett. I really like AJ Brown. Um, and obviously you had two pretty quick picks close together. So, you know, it wasn't like you got them for a steal later on, but I think they're pretty good guys to have inside. And I love Will Fuller, which you had to wait 40 picks for, but getting him at 82 Fuller is one I really was, He was the one I traded up with Reese for. So <laughs> as it was coming around to that pick, I because I was like, oh, I'm a bit weak at wide receiver. Because um, my original plan was with those first six picks in the top 50 was to go three running backs, three wide receivers, and then get the tight ends late and get a late quarterback. And then when I sort of picked Andrews, I'm like, I needed that uh, wide receiver. And then that was, I was hoping like Jones or Cooks, uh, who I don't mind, fell. Um, But then when they got taken, Fuller was the last one I sort of had in that tier. So I was like, I've got to move up and get him before I sort of get stuck with a third wide receiver I don't really like that much. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that was a good pick. The, the two guys there that I liked were Fuller and Deontay Johnson, which ironically the two of you guys took um, just ahead of my 91, 92 picks. So um, I was always oh, – at that point I was planning on taking Hurst and whichever of them was still there. So it was yeah. – we, talk, we talked earlier about um, Pollard and, and maybe something Manny could do with him. Now you've got Latavius Murray. Um, with the news of Alvin Kamara – um, having similar migraines to one of your boys, Joe Mixon, in a real contract-type migraine. Um, any communication with Havers early as the Alvin Kamara owner? Uh, not yet. I assume I'll get a offer that's extremely one-sided for him at some point over the weekend. I will add that when Kamara was out last year, Latavius Murray went off. He had, I think he was RB1 both weeks. When, when Kamara wasn't there. So he's got genuine value if Kamara does sit, especially early. Yeah, I, I think he's just a good player yeah. in that offense. So that's what, like, I was surprised he was still there because I had him as probably behind Madison as the best. Oh, and I Hunt's not really a handcuff, but I had him as, like, close to Madison as that tier of really, really good handcuffs that I think him more than Madison, like, some weeks he's just going to have standalone value if they play a weak defense but um yeah he's definitely uh, i mean yeah if kamara misses he's you know he's a league winner so it's i mean i don't want to give him away for i would want something good in return because of that high upside 
Where, where do you think the biggest weakness in your team is? You've obviously only picked four wide receivers. Um, I'm a big fan of your first three, although in fairness, they're not wide receiver ones. They're, you've kind of got three potential wide receiver twos there, which I think is still pretty solid, if you, particularly if you play one in the flex. But um, yeah, where, where do you think your weakness is? So position-wise, it's wide receiver in the none of those guys are out-and-out stars. Like, I think A.J. Brown could be if they throw it to him enough, but I don't think that's going to happen. I was going to say, how dare you say he doesn't have a wide receiver one? A.J. <laughs> Brown is a star, <laughs> man. You watch. He's going to go off this year. I, I, I love him as a pick. I, but I think, look, we, we've talked about there's what Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, Michael Thomas... Uh, Chris Godwin, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, they're kind of those first six. I don't think, look, one of them will probably get injured or something. So, you know, there might be a spot there. And then between, you know, the Golday, Cooper, Ridley, Juju, Beckham's, Moores, Evans, you know, Metcalf and Sutton, maybe one of them emerge. I think there's kind of, in my mind, there's like 20 guys. And then AJ Brown's going to probably break into that 20, probably in the second half of it, is kind of where I look at someone like him. Um, yeah. And Lockett's kind of the same thing, and I think Will Fuller's got the massive upside, particularly with Hopkins gone. I like I, I you know I can't overstate how much I love that pick because he's just good when he plays. He just he doesn't play very often. Yeah, um, yeah, but I think like non-positional wise, I think the issue with my team is just consistency. In that you know Gurley could miss any week with his knee. Like Sanders was good, at, and Mixon were both good at the end of last year, but they've only really put half of year of being even less for Sanders, really good wide receivers. Uh, Andrews was only good for one year. He's only uh, just come in, but, um, and then Lockett, you still know what, you know, they could run it 40 times a game in that offense. Um, so, I mean, they, they all have really good upside, but I mean, probably the four of my team could also just completely fall out if everything goes wrong. So, um that was sort of the issue when I look at my team and, you know, when you're sitting there looking at your team, just being like, oh, what have I done when this is going to happen? This is going to happen. One thing we talked about in the preview episode is that there's a lot of water to go under the bridge this year. And I think depth will be more important than ever where you've probably got guys missing for COVID and there's all the usual reasons as well on top of that. So, you know, one thing, obviously you're a bit light at wide receiver. And if you look at your roster, you're pretty hamstrung and you've got a bunch of running backs you want to keep, not depth at wide receiver. So you can't drop that guy. You can't drop Campbell. And so you've got very few spots to play around with, but you, the upside of that is that on any given week, if you've got a guy or two guys missing, you can probably cover. Yeah. So, I mean, with wide receiver, especially this year, I think there's just going to be week one or week two, a cut like come out of nowhere off the waiver wire. So I feel like they're probably easier and they're normally you can get them for a bit cheaper than the running backs that come out of nowhere during that first week in free agent budget. Like I think last week I got, uh, last year I got McLaurin and then I got um, the guy from Cincinnati that I've blanked on the name of, um, who was good for a couple of weeks before he got injured. So, I mean, I think it's John Ross. Yeah, that's it. Um, And there is still, like even John Ross, I think will be good this year and he's sitting on the waiver wire. So, I mean, there's 
um, like I think yeah, it's. I mean, I was always wanting to go stronger running back because it's. I think just easier to pick up those wide receivers that are the filler players. Any chance of us increasing the bench size of, in this league at any point? Well, I offered that, and then people, because I was like, "Oh, we should increase it because of uh, the COVID concern," and then people suggested the IR instead. I like I always have a strong bench, so I I'll love a massive bench. But I think then it some of the your Joels and your Ben Colagrandes that maybe don't follow it as strongly as us three and a couple of others probably helps it even it out a bit. I've got a good suggestion. Turn the kicker and defense into bench spots. Well, I was going to... Uh, now that we've drafted, we can't really change it. But I think next year, I think changing the kicker into a um, second flex spot, I think, will be the go. Actual player. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really interested to... Just back to your wide receivers quickly. I'm interested to see kind of... I think there's a bunch of them that got taken in that 40 to 47 range. Like, you look at Juju, Tyler Lockett, McLaurin, AJ Brown. Like, you've got two of them. I think one of those guys is going to be a top 10 guy this year. I don't know which one it is. But I think one of those guys has certainly got the potential to jump up and be a top five, top 10 wide receiver. Lockett was one I was really big on. Like, uh, last year when he was – before he got injured, he was, I think, wide receiver five. Um, And then, I mean, it sounds like they're going to throw it more this year. But, I mean, who knows with that uh, with Seattle – um, <laughs> uh, but I mean, I, I think he's just a really, really good player that probably doesn't get you. Like, if he was on a team that threw more, he would be a superstar. I think. If you go through the twenty picks between pick twenty-eight and pick forty-seven, there were fourteen wide receivers taken. Um. Golladay, Robinson, Woods, Beckham, Moore, Ridley, Phelan, Chark, Evans, Cup, Juju, Lockett, McLaurin, AJ Brown. Uh, you're right. There's going to be the, the, like somewhere in there the league's won this year. Hmm. Like just people, particularly for all the guys that got two, two of them. Someone, some guys are going to miss. There'll be injuries, but some guys are just going to go bang bang and have, you know, two top ten wide receivers and add it to the running backs or whoever else they took early, they're going to just have a ridiculously strong team. Yep. How's your, dra- how's your uh, schedule stack up, Andrew? Uh, so week nine is my big issue. Actually, no, sorry. Uh, no, it is week nine where I've got Mixon and Sanders both on a bye. And, of course, I drew Ben Colagrande that week. So I'm almost certainly going to lose and then have to deal with him around the house, just giving me shit. Well, actually, it's interesting you say they're on a buy in week nine because I think that they won't be playing week one or two either. So <laughs> get used to it, my man. Um, and then, so just on, uh, so Keeney's probably the best one to answer this. So this year we had three teams uh, trade out of the first round. So uh, me, Manny, and Woodsy, uh, murder's row of talent there. And then um, Dale, Cam, and Fitzy traded into the first round. So Having a look at how the drafts worked out, obviously it's a bit different depending on the draft position. But what do you what do you reckon was the better strategy there? Um, I'm personally on one for trading out, um, just because it's just every year like there's a there seems like there's a top five or six guy every year that if you take him and he doesn't um, return top five or six value 
you're stuffed. Like if he goes from a, a, the fifth best player on the board that you take and he becomes the 20th best player in fantasy, you're stuffed because the rest of your team's just not deep enough. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm more for, for trading out and getting value elsewhere. Um, yeah, that's sort of when I was yeah. looking at things, it's, uh, I was trying not to draft. So when you look at where players are being drafted, trying not to draft them on their ceiling. And so mm. I think when you're trading out, I mean, it's sort of, yeah, as you're saying, you're getting players that can exceed where you've drafted them more, which then gives you more value, which, you know, if you, even if it's just to trade them, you're still getting that value, which you can use to then pick up those league-winning players, I think. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think it, it's, it's probably, a, we're a bit biased, but looking at those teams, Fitzy's had a bit of bad luck. I actually don't think, I probably got a bit lucky with Julio slipping to 19. I don't reckon the early picks really has differentiated much between those teams. So Dale, so the three guys that traded in, Dale's gone Barkley and Cook, Cam's gone Elliot and Hopkins, and Fitzy's gone Henry and Thomas. So all three of those have gone bang, bang with two very strong players to start with. Uh, of the three guys that have traded out, Woodsy's gone Eckler and Kelsey. Andrew's gone Mixon and Sanders. I've gone Jones and Connor. Now, clearly, the three of us are a bit weak up, and we probably make it up in the next few picks. So I actually reckon it probably has been much of a muchness. The, the stronger and weaker of those teams, to me, is more about how they've drafted further down. Uh, it's a boring answer, but I actually reckon <laughs> it probably hasn't made a big deal of difference. But you could argue when you do come out of the first round, that's kind of where you pick up some value is in those later rounds, middle to later rounds. I would. Think. Yeah. Well, yeah, true. Although I think like, so I, I'm, I'm probably of those six teams. I'm probably the worst with my first two picks, but then I'd argue my fifth pick of Adam Thielen is probably better than anyone else's fifth pick, but it's because I was taking it so much earlier. So I'm probably I'm catching up by about round five or round six, and then after that, we're all kind of even again. Like probably unless you're Fitzy and you somehow traded out <laughs> pretty much every pick in the first hundred, but um, but yeah, like but even even Fitzy, like he did really well, I reckon, to get most at sixty-seven. Because yes. yeah, it's it sort of it's belied the fact that his picks were so low, because we, we were sort of laughing about the fact that he he had five, six, and then it was like 60 till his next pick. And the four net picks been wasted. But when you look at his team, it's not that bad because he's, he's kind of hit on that pick. Yeah. I guess we'll, this will be an interesting one to come back and look at again in like, you know, halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. To see where these guys have actually ended up. Um, all right. Well, I think we've, uh, we've particularly talked enough about our teams. Um, so look, t- to wrap things up, I guess the, the couple of key questions of the six teams tonight to start with, um, what do you see as the best team? Maybe Andrew, if you want to kick us off. Uh, so I'm going to exclude myself out of politeness. Um, so I'm going to go either yourself or Reese. Like Reese's team has a couple of issues, but I think it's just going to get pulled along by CMC. And then your team with, getting Jones to fall to you. It just made everything sort of sit nicely. Um, you know, it's a bit weak at running back, but um, 
I mean, that's also the position with the most flux. So I think it's probably uh, going to pick up. And then those wide rec- that wide receiver trio plus Mahomes, you know, I've got a soft spot for him. So um, they're the two that I sort of have as the standouts. About yourself, Kenny? Yeah, nice. Um, I'll go a bit different here. I'm going to go with Cam. Um, and that's obviously on the on the provision that he's he gets a little bit of luck with with health. Like I just think his upside's really high. Um, Zeke, we know can be a league winner. Hopkins, if that clicks um, in Arizona and they run a heap of plays and he's catches 12, 13, 14 touchdowns, that's certainly within him. I'm hugely high on McLaurin, as I've said. I think he can jump into that top 15 wide receiver range um, in his second year. Um, and then all he needs really is Ronald Jones to be the guy. He's got Deshaun Watson. Um, he's got two capable tight ends. And really, it's Will Lutz is the pick that gets it over the line for me. Um, <laughs> that Will Lutz pick in the 14th round is outstanding. So I'm going to go with Cam. <laughs> Very good. Um, Will Lutz can be his captain and hold up the Ocho Trophy when he wins it. Um, I, we talked to, I, I, I like Andrew's team. Um, I, I like Cam's team as well. I, I agree with the upside bit. Um, actually, we, we've, we've, we have much derived Fitzy's team, but I still think Henry Thomas, I just, I'd love to have those two guys to book anyone's team. Um, I, I actually quite like Jared. I, I know we've talked about his, the weakness around his two running backs, but a bit similar to, Cam, if he gets a bit of luck at running back, because he's got Harris and Kerryon sitting behind Carson and Montgomery, he only needs two of those guys to do something. And then he's he's super strong. And also, knowing how Jared plays, he will be trading and agitating and moving his lineup around a fair bit. So I feel like his weaknesses can be covered. So actually, I really like his team. Um, and, you know, as I said, I think, Andrew, yours is yours is pretty strong too. It's It's... it's I can totally see a scenario where we're three quarters of the way through the season and you've got a juggernaut again. But if I'm going purely off the drafting, I, I probably prefer Jared's. In terms of best draft pick from the six, um, we, we, we might go best draft pick, worst draft pick of the six, and then we might just do a bit of a, a best overall team across the, across the group. So you guys have a, bit of, a little bit of time to think about it. So first best draft pick of the six, um, Andrew, did you have... Um, so my honourable mentions are uh, you getting Naheem Hines um, and then Fitzy picking up most it. Um, but then best pick has to be Julio at pick 19. It's just a uh, top 10 pick in the pick 19s is too much value. What about yourself, Kenny? Yeah, oh, look at him. For everyone listening, <laughs> got the biggest grin on his face I've ever seen. It is sickening. Um, and it's about to get even more sickening. No, it's not really. Uh, honorable mention, Julio, just because I don't want to go with it, but it clearly is. A- <laughs> it's ludicrous. Um, honorable mention also to Reese Antonio Gibson at pick 105. I really like. I think he could be a big part of that offense. Not sure yet, but um, PPR, I think he's going to be the main pass-catching guy. I think they've got plans for him. Um if you're a savvy operator like a few in the league, 120 to one for the rookie of the year, crunched into 30 to one. Yes, sir. Uh, I think he's every chance to be in the mix there. But my number one best value pick, and this is going to shock you, Manny, but I've got some numbers. As you know, I like a good stat. I've got some numbers to back that up. And that is 
Andrew, my man, Mark Andrews, is my favourite pick. And here's why. Baltimore last year ran the ball um, 58% of the time, which is the, the biggest rushing percentage since 2010 for 10 years. Um, on average, that regresses at least somewhere in the 6 to 8% range. So with that in mind, we're going to expect Lamar to throw the ball at least another 60 to 80 times. Last year, he had 98 targets. He only played 15 games. Um, he was injured towards the back end of the year and they traded Hayden Hurst out. I just think this guy is the number one man in Baltimore. Um, I know a few targets are going to go to Hollywood, but I think they're going to throw the ball more. Um, it's inevitable. And I think he's going to be on the field more. And I think he could have 120, 130 targets um, in this offense. And he could be huge and he could easily be tight end one. I thought if you're going to pick one of my tight ends, you would have picked Chris Hendon with pick 160. He's my, the best pick of the draft. No, I really just wanted to rattle off some stats, to be honest. But <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Mark Andrews fan. You know, you know, but, uh, I'm a fan. No, I, I must admit, I, I do like Mark Andrews. Um, my issue with Mark Andrews is I don't quite know where you take him. But I, I, I do love that you've introduced some very, very persuasive numbers. And I reckon... I've got another draft on Friday that I might be uh, I might be much more inclined to take Mark Andrews now having heard that. I, I was I, I'm a big fan of him because they're just a high powered offense, and so there's there's points to go around. Um, I, I've kind of probably taken the more negative route that he regresses, but having heard that, I think I'm a bit of a convert. Um, my best pick, uh, and I, I will stay away from my lineup because they were all genius. Um, look. I don't, I don't want to be too boring about it because um, I could very much say CMC, which while it's it's an absolutely obvious one, it still is probably the the one pick that every single person in the league would absolutely love to have had. Um, I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to do it. I don't like complimenting Andrew, but I really like Will <laughs> Fuller at 82. Um, I just really like that you got Lockett and Brown. You, you just took such a risk not taking any wide receivers in your first four picks. You then get Lockett and Brown and then you've still got Fuller there available for you at 82. And just to kind of give some colour to that and how good that is, Marvin Jones Jr., 76, Jamison Crowder, 85. Uh, who else went around there? AJ Green, 69. Like, I reckon he's way, way more upside than these guys. And John Brown, 88. Yeah. So I, I think I think that's probably my number one uh, pick. Worst pick, Andrew. Uh, so honourable mentions, I've got uh, Reese taking Robert Woods, um, who, again, I, I really like this year, but just not at pick 30. Uh, Joel taking Gronk at 102, um, who I think Gronk's just going to be unplayable. You don't know what you're going to get from him. Um, but number one, I went, again, another player that's a good player, but DeAndre Hopkins at 10. I just don't think the value you're getting there, like... The, when you could have taken Julio, you could have taken Tyreek. Um, I would probably have Godwin above him, maybe even. So um, just a pick 10. And then the running backs that were there as well. I just think it's so much, not so much, but the position's so much scarcer than what you get in with Hopkins at 10. Shots fired. Cam <laughs> doesn't listen anyway, so. Quite unquite. I would have That's taken why you just spray him with every single... <laughs> 
you just you you're paying out on the one guy you know who's not going to not going to fire back at you. Uh, what about yourself, Keeney? Um, yeah, I, so I picked Cam as the best team, but I'm also going to nominate him for uh, one of the worst, not the worst, but one of the worst for mine's Darren Waller. We discussed it at 58. We discussed it multiple times. Just the the um, type of players you could have taken around there. I think we rattled off a few receivers that could have big years. And just the fact that he got a Noah fan at 123, I think he's he's perfectly fine as your tight end one this year. Um, so that's an honourable mention. My number one worst pick, though, and I hope I don't steal your thunder here, Manny, because you did mention him <laughs> throughout, and I <laughs> agree. But <laughs> Hunter Renfro at, at one <laughs> I mean... This guy is like 23, but he looks 38 for starters. <laughs> um, he plays in the slot. They've just added Henry Ruggs. They've added Brian Edwards. Um, I just, I don't see his role going forward. I understand it's his fifth or sixth wide receiver, but he's first one off that that roster. I, I <laughs> you, you stitch me up because I, as I've already described, he was at about 380 on my draft board. And so he's a pretty obvious selection for me. I've also got a bit of an endearment to him because he was on the Oakland as a rookie um, hard knocks last year. So I, I remember him fondly going fishing and learning a bit about him and his family. And, and I really wanted him to make the roster. So it was good to see him do a bit last year. But um, I wasn't going to pick him, actually. He was going to be my honourable mention. It takes a lot to beat a guy that's ranked amongst the kickers on my draft board. But Chris Herndon taking your third tight end is just an absolute waste. I did not need to take a third tight end. There's no way he's still in your roster week one. You don't Mate. need three and tight Chris ends. Chris Herndon puts up worst pick of the draft. 15 points in week one. And you're sending me trade requests. He'll be on the waivers. <laughs> Mate, I'll, be on the waivers. I'm going to watch the game. I'm not cutting him if he puts up 15 points. And I've got a late nomination for the worst pick, and we can't we can't get through this podcast without worst pick and Fitzy being married together. So here we go, Leonard Fournette at pick twenty five. <laughs> two days later, that has to be in the mix for worst pick ever in league history. Yeah, I must admit, um, I, I was tempted to go there, and I thought we've probably paid out enough on, on Leonard Fournette, and I think it's fair to admit I was wrong. There's no such amount that we could. <laughs> We could ever uh, read a, reach a quota of giving it too much to Fitzy and his Leonard Fournette pick. Um, okay, so final one as we wrap up. We've been through all 12 Ocho Bowl teams and we're now closing in on a week out from the season based on where we stand today, who's your favourite uh, team. And I think for, for fairness, we can exclude our own teams from each of our predictions. Yeah, I'm going to go with Camo. Just... I think he's starting lineups great. There's upside there. Um, and then he's shown that he's a competent manager that he can normally do enough to get himself into the playoffs. So um, if I had to pick a winner now, I'd pick Camo. This sucks. I'd I, I debate competent <laughs> manager when the bloke tried to trade, uh, tr- tried to pick several guys that were already taken through the draft. It <laughs> shows to me a complete lack of detail. I think he's lost the plot. Uh, Look, but you don't have to be a, what about you? You don't team? have to be a good drafter to be a good coach. You just, so there's plenty of trash, uh, coaches out there that are no idea about the draft. <laughs> Kenny, what about you? Yeah, so this sucks, but um, 
Well, really, for me, it was either Cam or Camo because they're the two guys I picked in the in both podcasts. So um, I'm going to agree, and I'm going to say Camo. Um, my reasoning is because there's a world where Claudio Butelier goes off. There's a world where Dalvin Cook holds out and Madison's his a legitimate RB1 as well. He's got Kyler Murray. He's got some wide receivers that have some upside as well. Um, I think he's pretty pretty strong at, at most positions. And I think he's got that ability to trade either Murray or Wentz as well during the year to get stronger. So um, I'm going to go with Camo, unfortunately, but um, I'd like to think I'll give him a nudge as well. I'm not going Camo, um, partially for the reason that I, I don't think he needs any more self-confidence. For a team that called himself the defending champs for about five <laughs> years, I don't think he needs anyone else telling him he's any good. Um Look, I reckon it's wide open this year. If I'm going to pick a team, I'm going to go Jared. Um, and I think, I, I know I, from the first crop, I called out Woodsy. Second crop, I called out Jared as the strongest team. I'm looking at their two teams side by side. I just think that um, Woodsy looks a little bit more rounded, but I just feel like Jared's got a little bit more to work with Uh Depth-wise, in a, in a year that you know, if things go his way, um, there's going to be a lot of change going on. So I'm going him, but I, look, it's it's very tight for mine because I think Woodsy's team is pretty well rounded as well. So they're they're probably the two, but I'm going to give the nod to Jared uh, in part because his team's I, I like it, and in part because I just do not want to tell Woodsy or give Woodsy the credit of thinking <laughs> that he's he, any chance of finishing above seventh. Cool. Well, I think that's probably about where we wrap it up. Thank you very much, boys. As we uh, as we mentioned earlier, I think our next podcast is getting the league members back on for a quick opportunity to give us their retort and tell us what they think of the summary uh, that we've given each of their teams. But in the meantime, very much appreciate your analysis as always. Thank you and look forward to speaking to you next time. Good one. Ruby, 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 Ruby.